0: Hey, this is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message. What is it that causes the impossible to happen? Uh, Miracles are are a little bit confusing, can be tough outside of our box. Like, we see that, but then we can also think, was it just luck? Coincidence? Uh, Maybe maybe there's a scientific explanation that we just can't, uh, we just don't know yet. And so that's why we see that, and it's so unimaginable. Maybe they're all just part of this elaborate hoax, like, they made it up, they set it up, they wanted to get famous, make a movie, write a book, get some money like maybe they've they've done this expertly and pulled it off um and 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 done really good at that maybe i mean you got you gotta when it comes to miracles, maybe um let's have some fun with it, maybe there's aliens that are yet to have been found, maybe they're they are uh microscopic in size so you can't see them with the naked eye they happen to be exploring our planet they were at the bottom of Lake St. Louis uh, that day at the right time and he fell through the ice and, and and they just happened to 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 jump inside of his body and these aliens maybe they have miraculous powers to resurrect people but they only get activated when they hear the word Holy Spirit and it just all came together at just the right time maybe it's that's happened like it's so like what is going on with miracles maybe there's something bigger if you have a theistic worldview a God worldview something that goes beyond nature to say there's nothing else that can explain that but God and so the question that we asked in our Red or Green series, uh, we are going through a series called Red or Green where it's, we're answering the top six most asked questions that we've been asking for months now, um, is why don't we see miracles like the ones documented in the Bible? You see big ones in the miracle. You see things like the 10 plagues in Egypt, Moses raises the staff and the, the Red Sea, parts You see um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go into the fiery furnace and then they come out just untouched, unscathed, don't even smell like uh, smoke. Jesus feeds 5,000 people from uh, five loaves of bread and two fish and perhaps the most controversial miracle ever recorded in the Bible, Peter, Jesus' best friend, his mother-in-law is sick with a high fever and Jesus comes in and he heals the mother-in-law of her sickness. I mean, it was looking bad for her, and it was very... Like, Jesus, just let her go, man. It's the mother-in-law. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, He heals the mother-in-law. It's a good thing. It's a good story. Matthew chapter 9. What's going on with these, these miracles? Miracles also, as we'll see aren 't always necessarily supernatural; they can be in scripture what we would see is all natural occurrences, but just the extraordinary events that take place. take Joseph, for example, who was sold by his brothers into slavery and through a series of, four, of of events over forty years where he goes to like being like top in charge in Egypt to in jail and back and forth and back and forth, and all of a sudden you see god 's divine purposes of 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 this promise that he made to a nation of Israel and being able to provide for them um, during a famine. We'd say it's a miracle. David and Goliath. One of the most famous stories in all of Scripture. Young boy with the sling and he nails Goliath in the head and we'd say, hey, that was miraculous at the same time. If you think about it, maybe it's just a lucky shot. So as we talk about miracles today, let's work with this definition so we're, uh, at least you know where I'm coming from. Miracles, an event so unusual that given all the circumstances, and I went through a, a, a wide range of circumstances that maybe helped John Smith in his revival, trying to explain it. Given all the circumstances, the best explanation is that God intervened, either supernaturally or in these natural chain of unlikely events. One of the things that I love about Freedom Church that we do every single week, if you're part of our setup crew and you come early to help serve and, and you you set up, we stop everything at 10.30. And we, we stop all of our setup stuff and we pray. We, we value prayer. One of our core values is prayer first. And so we stop everything and, and you have been prayed for today. Every time you step in, you have been prayed for. And before we pray, though, we say, where did you see God work either in your life or in the life of someone around you this week? We call it God sightings. I want to know your God sightings. So everyone who comes, they know the question's coming. Where did you, and, and we're looking for God to move. And the thing is, people will say, well, I don't know if this is a God sighting or not, but this happened. And I don't know if this is the trouble with miracles and God intervening. Like, is it God? I don't know. But I'm going to, regardless, give him praise and honor for whatever took place because I know he's at work and I believe that that's God moving. So Christianity, again, this is a little bit of a, a tough topic to talk about because there's not much certainty. I can't put God in a box. Um, Christians can take it too far, too. Like, claiming almost anything is a miracle. I went into the, the MVD this week, and there was no line. It was a miracle. You know, um, you probably showed up during off hours, and they just happened to have the door unlocked, and you, you walked in there, you know. Okay, if you're going to Smith's after work, and, and you're looking for a front row parking spot, and all the cars, like, part. You know, so you can park in the front. That would be um, a definite miracle, okay? The Dallas Cowboys winning the Super Bowl this year would be a miracle. (laughs) I'm going to get some emails from some people and some text messages. We can take it too far, too. But the question is, why doesn't God do miracles? Because if he can, then, then why didn't he? You know, I had these migraines. I've been praying about them, and he's not doing anything about it. I've had this depression or this addiction. My grandma had that disease, and she's faithful. She loved Jesus, and she's praying, and God never did anything, and her life is gone. Or you could even think about what we witnessed uh, right here. You know, God saves this young boy's life, but then yesterday, what happened, and last night, what happened in in Dayton and all these shootings, and why didn't God intervene? It can cause confusion, doubts, questions, questions. And rightfully so. I think God's big enough to handle your questions. If you know anything about me, and we've talked about this before, if you have doubts, lean into them, because I think you're going to find revelation on the other side of your doubts and your questions. But it can also lead you to kind of guilt. I've seen religion use miracles, work against people. Oh, you were praying for this? Oh, you didn't have enough faith, and it has jacked some people up. Well, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I have some sort of sin in my life. And, and you might have been a part of some churches where you prayed for something and then a religious figure just laid the hammer down as if you were less than. All I'm, all I'm trying to say is this is a tough issue. I believe God can, but sometimes, oftentimes, he doesn't. Does he not care? Is he not good? And sometimes it can lead us to questioning, does he even exists. So as we look at Scripture today, as we look at the Bible today, I I, I want this to be an encouraging, faith-filled message, but there are a couple reasons that we see in Scripture where uh, reasons that he may not be doing some miracles. So if you're taking notes, I want to go through three of them with you today. If you're not taking notes, let me just tell you, on the Bible app, if you have the Bible app, you can go to Events. And, and or click on more, click on events, and then you can get the, the notes in there. I'm going to hit a bunch of scriptures today. And so I, I'm, I'm not going to have time to read through them all, but they're all in the Bible app if you want to find them and save them for later and, and maybe jot some notes down. So anyway, why don't we see miracles? One is it's not part of his sovereign will, okay? God has a will that's, that is, he has a personal will for your life, but then he has some things that it just doesn't matter. He's going to do or not do regardless. One of them, like he says, I'm going to come back. Jesus uh, rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. He says, hey, one day he's coming back. Okay, we can't stop that. We just believe that it's going to happen. But when it talks about these big miracles, the big wild ones that you see in scripture, uh, they're kind of few and far between. As I've been looking at this, you kind of see just, I would say about six major Periods where you see these things. One is creation. You see all this crazy stuff happening when, when God created the, the, the earth. You also see it around the time of the Exodus when uh, the nation of Israel is coming out of slavery in Egypt, going into the promised land. And you see the 10 plagues. You see Joshua doing stuff with the, jo- the walls of Jericho coming down. You see it during that time period. Elijah and Elisha are prophets and they do some pretty wild miracles during their time. Daniel. And his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you read that book in in their time of exile in Babylon, you kind of see some there. Uh, Jesus and his apostles, and then you see around the time that Jesus comes back that's predicted in the future, you're going to see more miracles taking place. Um, There's others maybe, but those are like the heavy ones, and those are few and far between in history. So there might just be, hey, these things aren't necessarily promised or guaranteed, and you look throughout history, there's a lot of people who went through their entire life and never witnessed a major miracle. A second reason is that people are testing God. We're testing him. In Mark chapter 8, this is Pharisees, and they, they're, they're coming at Jesus, and it says, testing him, testing him. They demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Prove it, Jesus. You say you're the Messiah, you say you have this authority, prove it. And when he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit. Imagine Jesus. said, Why do these people keep demanding miraculous signs? I tell you the truth, I will not give this generation any such sign. Jesus, when he faced temptation, Luke chapter 4 with Satan, Satan's life. If you're the son of God, prove it. You're hungry? Prove it. Turn this stone into bread. Prove it. Jesus is hanging on the cross, being mocked as he's dying, giving his last breaths, and they're saying, prove it. If he's God's son, if he's the Messiah, prove it. Look at you now, man. Prove it. Sometimes in our hearts, our motives, we want a miracle, but we're saying, God, prove yourself. And if, we're, if you look at scripture, miracles may not always be what they're cracked up to be. Think about the people who saw miracles, the Israelites, as they got out of Egypt, out of slavery, 400 years They hadn't seen God move necessarily. And then he does all these miraculous things with the plague, Plague parts the Red Sea, does all these amazing things. And they're still complaining. They're still questioning. They're still wondering. In fact, uh, it says Moses went up top of a mountain for 40 days to spend time with God. He's kind of giving them the Ten Commandments, giving them the law, kind of giving them the layout for this new nation that he's building. 40 days he's gone. They start to stress out about Moses saying, well, I guess he's gone. We don't know where he's at. We don't have GPS, and we got to figure out something new. And then they build build gold calves and say, these are the gods that brought us out of Egypt. Like, wait a minute. You're seeing like, it says that you're seeing a, a cloud by day and a fire by night that's leading you, and you're saying these little gold things? Elijah. Elijah, one of the prophets that did all of these miracles, one of the most famous is he has a showdown with all the prophets of Baal. And he's saying, you're following Baal. This God doesn't even exist. And so he's like, let's have a showdown. Your God versus my God. It will call down fire from heaven. Okay, all right. I'm not going to try to, like, I, it just blows my mind that this miracle happens. And, it, and it, scripture says it happens. Like the Baal prophets are trying to do everything they can to get God to, to, to bring fire down from heaven, nothing happens. And then Elijah says, all right, my turn. And he prays, boom, happens. And then you don't get this in the, uh, the Sunday school version. He like slaughters all the, the Baal prophets, okay? So major victory for Elijah. It's like, hey, this is, this is going well. Well, the queen Jezebel hears of it and says, if Elijah's not dead by tomorrow, like I'm taking his life tomorrow. If I'm Elijah, I'm like, bring it on, girl. Did you not just see what I did? Fire from heaven, girl. Let's go. Bring it. I don't care who you are. No, he runs. I just witnessed a great miracle, and he runs. And this is what he says. He says, he sat down under a tree and prayed that he would die. Wait, didn't you, didn't you just bring down fire from heaven? Take my life. I'm no better than the ancestors who've already died. Wow. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Feeds 5,000. They want some more. They're like, we're hungry. Free food is good. We like free food today. It's like, no. I'm the bread of life. Gives them some hard stuff to say. Almost sounds like he's a cannibal. He says, you're going to have to drink my blood and eat my flesh. And it was, it was, even if you read it today, you're like, what, Jesus, that's kind of weird. It says a lot of people left. They didn't follow. Maybe miracles still require faith. Maybe miracles aren't all that they're cracked up to be. I had one, one gentleman I had a conversation with. He said, Mike, I want to believe in God, but until he sits across this table from me face to face, why has he got to be invisible I won't believe. And I get that. I get that. I didn't really have an answer. The only, only answer I could say is like, I think we're about 2,000 years late to that party. Listen, if, if you were to dig into the evidence of the New Testament, that these are eyewitness accounts, I think you're going to see the evidence is overwhelming that these guys sat face to face across a table from a carpenter who was also the Messiah. They still had to have faith in him. We're going to talk about that in two weeks, by the way. The question is, the number one question is, what do I do with all that I read in in the Bible that I do not have peace with? And I would say, if there was only one miracle that was ever recorded in history, we have it that we need. It's the resurrection. That's the one that we need. That's the one we cling all of our hope onto. That's the one that saved all of humanity. And Jesus, he he was being tested. He he said, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of of a whale for three days. And so Jesus has given them a, a prediction saying, hey, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they counted even if it was part of a the day, they count it the whole day. He was just like, I'm going to be in the grave for three days and then I'm going to be out again. That's the only sign. And if, if you're here today, that's the only one you really want. That's the only one you really need. Listen, when Jesus came, he healed people. And we're going to pray for healing and stuff today. But, but he didn't. his main goal, his main purpose wasn't to heal our physical bodies. It was to save our souls that is the most important thing. He says, that's the only one I'm really going to give you. And the other one is our unbelief. He was in his own hometown and it says, because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he would say this word with me. He was amazed. amazed at their unbelief. Unbelief. Testing him. And it just may be outside of sovereign will. Now, That's kind of the teaching part. I want want to preach to you a little bit today because what is it that moves the heart of God? And there's no science to this, but we do see some things that move the heart of God, and it's your faith. It is faith that moves the heart of God. And we're going to go through here real quickly, Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 9, because Matthew... One of Jesus' followers, an eyewitness, wrote down some accounts of several miracles in Matthew chapter 8 and Matthew chapter 9. And you're going to see this idea of faith coming in. And as we go through this, and I would encourage you to read Matthew chapter 8 and chapter 9 this week, notice the intensity that is in these things. This isn't, oh God, please, can you just save this person or, or heal this person. No, when you're praying for a miracle, this, this type of stuff that we're talking about is the stuff you're up at 2 a.m. in the morning, you're stressing, you don't see a way out, you need some help. This is the atheist who does not pray and all of a sudden he's on his knees and he's praying. He's like, I, I, I don't even believe in this stuff, but I'm in such a place. I don't see a way out. I don't know how. I need some help. And I'll cry out. And these are Christians who are coming to Jesus. I believe, but I struggle, but I, I need some help. And I need you, God, to intervene. Now, there's intensity. There's a desperation in here. So when we're talking about miracles, listen, when we started Freedom Church, there was kind of the same. we're not starting Freedom Church to play church. I want to see God move in my life. I want to see God move in your life. I want to see him move in Los Alamos, and we've been seeing that. But today is not a day to play church. You bring it to him with all that you have, and let's see God do some work. Let's see some God sightings like we see in the Bible. And the only explanation, it's got to be God. Is there anything that gives you uh, an idea that, that that wasn't a miracle? No. You couldn't convince me otherwise. 110 percent. That's a miracle. There's no way else to explain it. That's what I want to see. That's what, that's what I want to see for you. That's what I want to see in God's life. So let's take a look at some of these things in Romans chapter, or I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter eight. First one is, in verse 10, you have a Roman officer. This is a Gentile. He's not a Jew. He's kind of like an outcast. But he's, he's a, a Roman officer. He's in charge of a lot of people. He, he comes to Jesus. He says, my servant needs healing. But I know you. I believe in you, God. Just say the word. If you would just say it. You don't have to be there. You don't have to touch him. God, I know Jesus. I know if you would just, just say it. That's all I need is just a little bit of you just saying something that can work. And it says that Jesus... When he heard this, he was, say this with me, he was amazed. If God were to look at your faith, would he be amazed at your unbelief? Would he be amazed at your belief, your faith? He saw this man. He said he was amazed at his faith. He looked at, he, 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 uh, he turned to those who are following. He says, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. This man just says, hey, I know. I, if you just say it, I know you're going to work. Then he goes and he calms the storm. He heals Peter's mother-in-law in chapter 8. Heals someone else of demon possession. And then in chapter 9, you see these men. And, and they're bringing them to Jesus. Jesus is teaching in a home. And the, the house is so packed with people, they can't make it in. These guys are desperate to get their friend to Jesus. They say this man's paralyzed. So they carry him up on top of a, on the roof where Jesus is at. And they claw through the roof. Can you imagine Jesus is teaching? How rude is that? And, 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 and yet here's the scene. And now they, they open the hole. And you can imagine just people are looking up like, what the heck's going on? And they're trying to get their friend down. And then, then they're kind of looking. They're like, dang, we did all this work to get him through. And we didn't think about how are we going to get him down to the, to the ground. That's quite a ways down there. And then the other guy's kind of like, well, he's, he is paralyzed. So maybe we could just, uh, <laughs> he's not going to feel it. Uh, anyway, um, it's a bad joke. I don't know. I just, I like, hey, I, hey if, if you don't like it, there's, there's awesome churches elsewhere. I just, when I read the Bible, when I read the Bible, I like to have fun with it. And sometimes I read some things into it. I don't know. And then it says seeing their their faith Jesus said to the paralyzed man be encouraged your sins are forgiven Now wait I I might have missed something does anyone have a bible that I can that I can read this is a NLT translation can I can I come down Does anyone have a bible where I can I want to see your translation and see what it says Is that NLT NLT? NLT. Anyone got a different version? NIV. NIV right there, okay. Matthew 9, verse 2. No, yours says the same thing too. Anyone else have a different translation? NIV, NLT? Right back there. Oh, you got one on your phone. Look at you. KJV. Oh, King James. Verse 2, and behold, they brought the sick man back, and they see. yep, yours says. This blows my mind. Whose faith did he see? Their faith. I've read through all the different translations, not just here, but this week. I've always read past that, and I, and I missed that. Their faith. Did you know God will see your faith for your friends and act? What moves the heart of God? Your faith. Now, certainly, we look through all Scripture, and certainly the, the man, the paralytic, had to have faith. But he acted when he saw their faith today. Man, what moves the heart of God It's your faith. Then he goes on. There's a a young girl. She's 12 years old, and she's died. And the dad comes to Jesus. His daughter is dead. So Jesus comes to check out the scene. But on the way to the scene, there's a crowd. There's a lot of people. He's trying to get to her. And a lady touches Jesus. And she's been dealing with the issue of blood for 12 years. Their stories are linked. You can imagine like a flashback scene out of This Is Us where this lady is getting her diagnosis of her condition and, and, and at the same time like not knowing and they're passing this family of this newborn girl at the same time. They're 12 years of dealing with this issue of blood and 12 years old and she's dead now. And she, she reaches out to Jesus and she touches and Jesus says, who, who touched me? I felt something. I felt something. And and the disciples are looking around like, they're so crowded, everybody's touching you, you're crazy. He's like, no, no, this was something else, and it was a touch of faith. And it says about this woman, it says, she touched the fringe of her robe, for she thought, if I could just, I, I love that word, if I could just, if you would just say it, Jesus, if you could just touch his robe, I will be healed. And Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged, your faith has made you well. He then goes and he heals the young 12-year-old girl who had died. He then heals some blind men. And when he touched their eyes, he said, because of your faith, it will happen. What moves the heart of God is your faith. And I forgot maybe one of the biggest ones. As Jesus was walking along, Matthew, Matthew. Puts this lumped in, this story lumped into all of these great miracles. And Matthew tells his story. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man, Matthew, sitting at the tax collector's booth. In the middle of his sin, in the middle of the thing that people would be like, I hate tax collectors. They're always robbing us of our money. They're some of the scum of the earth. While he's in the midst of that, think about that. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him, that Jesus said to him, and Matthew got up and he followed him. Perhaps there's no bigger miracle than the one that God does in your heart. I think that's why Matthew put that in there. He said, "Hey, look at all this stuff he's doing. He's proving who he is. He's helping people, he's healing people, but it's the one that he did in my heart." And he closes out chapter nine with this: When Jesus, when He saw, what do you see? He saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. If that does not describe us in this room, I'm hurting. I'm confused, I'm helpless. Not the church version of you where you're like, hey brother, nice to see you, I'm good. Oh, everything's great. No, everything. no this is the real you. I'm lost, I'm hurting, I'm confused, I'm frustrated. God, I need you. If that does not describe, describe Los Alamos, desperate, searching for anything that will bring satisfaction and it's coming up empty, Jesus looks and he doesn't shame them. He has compassion on them. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. So what do you see? When he looked up, he saw great harvest. What do you see? Maybe you see work ahead. I would think you would say, hey, pray to the Lord of the harvest and he'll do all the work and bring it in. No, Jesus Oftentimes, you are the miracle that you're praying for. In some cases, you are the work. Hey, we're out, of, we're out of wine for this wedding, Jesus. And Mary says, do whatever he tells you to do. And he sent the servants out. They had to go carry the jars and fill it up. There was work to do, hard work, sweat. Pray to send the workers you might, be, you might be praying for someone who's lost, and you might be the one God's calling to say, hey, I'm sending you to go do the work. Maybe you see nothing. I've been praying for a miracle and I see nothing. God, listen, God heals, but he doesn't heal everyone all the time. And so maybe you've been praying and you haven't been seeing anything. The woman with issue of blood, 12 years, saw nothing. Egypt, had Israel enslaved for 400 years, 400 years. Generations had gone by and had seen nothing. Paul, one of the writers of the New Testament, prayed, he had a thorn in his side. We don't know if the thorn was physical, spiritual, but he said, I prayed for three times in three seasons of my life, intense prayer to remove this. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. He never removed it. What you'll find in your season of nothingness as you keep persistently seeking God, you'll find his grace right there every single time. You might be seeing nothing, but keep searching, keep seeking, and you'll see his grace in your life. Maybe it's un- unbelief. One of my favorite stories that I think describes us right now in, de- in-, in this is a young boy who was is demon-possessed, and his dad comes desperately to Jesus to heal him. And he says, help us if you can. To which Jesus said, if... If anything's possible, if you, if you believe. And he captures my heart right now. He says, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. I believe, but I don't believe. I've struggled with this. Did Jesus shame him? No. He can deal with it. He healed the young man. You give give him what you got. And the last thing, and we'll close and we'll wrap this up. Maybe all you have is a little bit. A little bit of faith. God can do a lot with a little bit of faith. He says, you might have just a mustard seed of faith, like something that's so small, it would, if I, I couldn't even grip it, it would fall through my fingers. And he says, I, I could produce a whole field of, of, of fruit and harvest from one little seed. You could tell that mountain there that's right in front of you. Maybe all you see is a mountain or a giant, and I don't have vision for today or tomorrow because there's so much happening today. I don't know where it's going to come from. I have a financial situation, a relational thing, and I'm crying. Crying out, I don't know, a little bit of faith is all God needs from you today. And whether he does what you want him to do or not, listen, listen, our faith is not built on what God does. Our faith is built on who he is. He proved who he was on a cross he proved how good and how much he loved you on a cross he proved his power when he rose from the dead and I put my faith in that God I know you can I want you to but like Shadrach Meshach and Abednego facing the fiery furnace but even if he doesn't I will not bow down I serve one God and one God alone and that's us today you got a little bit of faith, that's all you need. That's all you need. So what I want to do as a church today, I want to pray for some miracles. In the, ne- in the next few moments that we have, I, want, I don't want to just talk about miracles. Maybe there's something in your life and you need God to work. Maybe you need to be healed. Maybe there's a re- it's not just a, 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 a physical thing. Maybe it's a spiritual or emotional thing. And you've heard this message and you're like, I don't know these people or whatever. It doesn't matter. I want to see God move. If there's something in your life today, here's what I would like you to do. And I would like for you just to stand up where you are. And I know that's scary in a room full of people that you don't know, but... I want to see God move. And I'm going to ask our prayer and care team, too, because our group's going to sing here a little bit. Um, They're going to come up front. If you would feel more comfortable coming up front and having someone pray for you, we would love to pray with you and for you. But right now, I'm going to ask for them to come on up. And then if you need prayer right now, if you're like, I need a miracle in my life, just please stand where you are um, right now. Thank you again for listening to the podcast at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. A few next steps that you can take coming out of this. One is head to our website and let us know just exactly how we can help you take your next step. Also, if we have had a positive impact in your life or in your family and you want to partner with us financially, you can go to our website and click Give. That will get the message out so we can impact more people through this ministry. And finally, click the Subscribe button. That way you know you get the latest content from the podcast as well as rate it, review it. That will help get the message out to others. Hope you have a a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.